It's not always the big things that change the world. It's the small acts of kindness that happen repeatedly over a lifetime that make the world a better place. So every week we share a story of someone like you who is doing good in the world in their own way. Welcome to Doing Good with Carmen Hello, Herbert. everyone, and welcome to Doing Good. I'm your host, Carmen Herbert, and today I'm so excited to have on the podcast with me, Charlotte Barnes. Now, for those of you who don't know who Charlotte is, she is the recent author of the book with her husband, Jonah, Turning Little Hearts Over 90 Activities to Connect Children with Their Ancestors. They have spoken at Roots Tech, which is amazing. I mean, Roots Tech is huge. So that is so awesome, which is the world's largest genealogy conference. They've researched and written about their families, helped others find and research their own ancestors, and fought their crusade to change the perception of family history from being only a hobby for old retirees to being an essential tool for parents with young children. I fall into that category, the parents with young children, and have often wondered, how am I going to get my kids into this? How do we do that? So I am so excited to learn more about that today. Charlotte earned a degree in psychology at BYU. Never expected to be an author, but when God needs something done, sometimes he just chooses the person who can survive on hardly any sleep. <laughs> Isn't that true? I think that goes for like all moms. Like were you two just being awake all the time and functioning? So he's like, okay, Charlotte, with six kids ages three to 11, you would for sure fall into that category. <laughs> Taking them on it, you love taking your kids on adventures in the mountains and rivers, cloning roses in your garden, and running the family's bagel booth at local family markets. And spreading joy through bagels is one of your very favorite things. Okay, we have to talk about that first, then. So, do you make homemade bagels? So, we have a wholesale bakery in, awesome. in the downtown. It's this big building. Don't think cute little bakery with, you know, frosting decorators and cute hats. No, it is a factory. So, we have mixers so large that we have to have cages over them so people don't fall in no you don't get human flavored bagels right oh my goodness (laughs) we have these huge walk-in coolers and freezers which are the place to be on a hot day (laughs) um and we make uh thousands and thousands of bagels and and other baked products and so i run our farmer's market booth with our kids and we sell bagels to people in the community and it's just one of my favorite things is bringing joy to people through bagels i mean some people will hold these bagels and just hug them they just love them and it's so so sweet why what makes your bagels different Uh, Well, (laughs) they are just big and soft and lots of wonderful flavors and toppings. Awesome. And are they, what kind of flour do you use? Do you have gluten-free bagels? Are they all, you know, the good stuff, I would say? (laughs) The good stuff. They're all the good stuff. They're all the good stuff. Yes. Unfortunately, our bagel forming machine that rolls up the bagels, if we use gluten-free flour, they just fall apart. So we could make gluten-free lumpy, you couldn't even call them bagels. Gluten-free lumps, balls, yes, but not bagels. But not (laughs) gluten-free bagels. So are they... What are what do you use like organic flour or is it everything all natural or what's your what's the ingredients like in your bagels? It's, it's flour that is uh, harvested here in Washington. I awesome. didn't realize at the time that so much grain is grown in Washington. So we use local grain, awesome. um, but we use a lot of it. So we get an eighteen wheeler truck pulling up to the back of the bakery every month and unloading. Oh my gosh hundreds, uh, tens of thousands of pounds of flour. So that's a huge part of the bakery is just pallets, pulls of these 
50 pound bag of, of flour. Do you ship your bagels? We have distributors. Okay. So they come with their big trucks and we put bagels on their trucks and they take them all over the country. Okay, so could we get them here in Utah? Put in a good word for us somewhere. So far, they're not being sold in Utah. Oh, <laughs> I was like, I want to go to the store today and get some bagels. Okay, I will. What are they, What's your bakery called? Sunrise Bagels. Sunrise Bagels. Okay, I'm going to put in a good word for you. I don't know who I'm going to talk to. I'll just like go up to someone at the grocery store and say, you need Sunrise Bagels. That is oh, awesome. Yeah. My Sweet. kids love bagels. And it's just, it's an easy snack that you can go to. Like everyone likes them and there's so many different yes. flavors. It's always yes. like if we're going on a road trip or something, it's like, what are we having for lunch? We're having bagels like every time. <laughs> we'll have to send you some. Seriously. Send me your address. I'll send okay. you some bagels. Tell I me your favorite flavors. Oh, I would love that. <laughs> Cinnamon sugar for sure. Everything plain. I'll send you. We'll talk. We'll talk Perfect. bagels. <laughs> okay. So Charlotte, let's talk about this amazing book, Turning Little Hearts, Over 90 Activities to Connect Children with Their Ancestors. So you said you never planned to be an author or expected to be an author. How and why did this book come about? Oh, it's such a neat story. And there's some lessons that I learned along the way. I'll kind of point those out. So my husband had always been into family history. In fact, when we met in the library, we were both doing family history. He was really involved and I was just kind of doing an assignment, right? And so over the years at the beginning of our marriage, he was doing lots and I was doing a little, um, but he was turning my heart. And then uh, we had three little kids and we were in stuck in very hot Arizona in the summer where you just can't go outside oh, and yeah. you know after swimming three times already in one day yes you're done with swimming so you need some good activities for little kids right yes. <laughs> when you're stuck inside and an article came out uh, by Bruce Feiler in the New York Times called the stories that bind us I recommend you all read it it was life-changing for us and the powerful point of this article was sharing this research by Robin Fivebush that that showed that children who knew more about their family who knew about their parents, where they were born, what they did when they were little, uh, what they studied in school, or awards that their grandparents won, or even what their grandparents looked like. But children who knew these basic facts about their family were more resilient. That when hard things happened in their life, that they could overcome them more. And not only were they more resilient, they were also smarter, and they were also socially comfortable, more emotionally intelligent, they were just better off all around. Amazing. And we were so impressed by this. We thought, well, we know these family stories. We've been learning them, but we never thought to share them with our kids yet. We thought our kids were too little. Right. So we, we started sharing these stories. And instead of just droning on with stories, because that cannot be that interesting. For right. <laughs> we came up with some activities to do with them. It started really simple, like memory the game of memory. So we printed ancestors' faces on cards and we, you know, flip them over and play memory. Uh, one of the most effective things we did was when we tell a story, we'd give our kids paper and markers and they would draw the story. And then we'd gather all their pictures together and put captions underneath and put them together in a storybook. Oh, and wow. Then, so they had ownership over the story, right? right and then they right. loved looking back at their own illustrated stories oh, and remembering them and rereading them and it solidified these stories and we did think you know like we did bingo we did uh 
for an ancestor who crossed the plains, was a pioneer. We, we had our own little pioneer reenactment, which on the 24th of July in Arizona is brutal. <laughs> it wasn't very long. I think we just went down two blocks to this rocky park, and we had one kid, uh, we had our stroller with our pioneer supplies in it right and we had two, we had a rope and a and a pipe in the front we had two kids pretend to be oxen and they pulled our stroller down the street in a 110 degree weather oh my goodness <laughs> and then we got to this park we found this one little tree there and told them some stories about their pioneer ancestors who crossed in even more grueling situations right, right right and that was so fun so that started this tradition we had of doing family strict activities for kids well we just loved it so much and felt so strongly about it jonah wrote this long book about it and he thought of this name turning little hearts because in the scriptures we learn that elijah will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children right and turn the hearts of the children to the fathers yes so we thought well Let's name this book, Turning Little Hearts, about oh, turning children's cool. hearts. And it's not going to be about doing all this intense research. It's going right. to be about learning the stories and just turning your hearts to your ancestors, because that's really important to God yes. that we do that. And look, it has these amazing results for our children also. So he wrote this book. He sent it to a bunch of publishers, and we received no after no after no. And then finally, one publisher got back to us, Cedar Fort in Springville. We love them. And they said, well, we're not really interested in all of your writing, but those 10 little activities that you mentioned at the end, we like those. Can you make that into a full-on activity book? Well, right after we got that email, of course, that was very disappointing. Like, oh, all that word for that book. Yeah, I don't want it. Yes. <laughs> and I know exactly. lots of authors have this experience, right? Yes. And so we put it aside. And in the following year, we bought the bakery. My husband was in aerospace building airplanes. We bought the bakery, so now he makes bagels. Huge change, right? <laughs> and bagels, oh my goodness, yeah. Exactly, obvious crossover, right? Sure. <laughs> uh, so we bought the bakery, we moved from Arizona to Washington and had our sixth trial. So a lot was going on at that time and we had forgotten, not forgotten, but had put aside yeah, this yeah, right. opportunity. Sure, it, it was shelved for a while. Yeah, and that happens, right? With yep. lots of things in our life. And one day, our friends came over for dinner, these new friends, and uh, his name is Joel Ackerman, and he was writing this book called The Opportunity. And he told us about it, and he says it's about a boy, uh, a boy in a tree looks out at the sea, is the opening line. And it's about this boy seeing the ship come, this beautiful ship come into harbor, and it's called The Opportunity. And the whole book is him going back and forth whether or not he should take this opportunity. And I won't tell you how the book ends, but it was very powerful. And I thought, this opportunity is sailing away from us. We've got to get oh, on that ship, right? Yes, Before it right, away from us. Board the boat. Right. So that night, put the kids to sleep, late at night, said a prayer, and the heavens opened. It was incredible. We had started with just 10 little, maybe 15 little activities that we've been doing with our kids. That night, over a hundred, more than a hundred came to mind, and I just was fiercely oh. writing them down. And in the next few weeks, 
we sketched them all out. We wrote all the text. We sent it back to the publisher. And we said, okay, so I know it's been over a year. (laughs) But are you still interested? And they said, yes, let's do it. And we said, okay, Roots Tech is our deadline. We've got to have it finished before this uh, conference. You have to apply to speak at Roots Tech or be invited? Or why do you want to get it done before then? Right. Well, the first, we had to have ready to have a booth there. Okay, so the first okay. year we were at Roots Tech in 2020, we were at a booth with our book. And okay. so we were telling and talking to a lot of people and sharing ideas and meeting all these people. It was so exciting yes. being at this booth in the exposition hall with hundreds of other people sharing their books and their classes and their ideas. Yes. Um, so the, the attendees would go to their classes and learn all about family history. And then in between classes, they'd come to the hall and look at all this fun stuff that right. they can do with it. So you're history. like, we want, this is like, what better publicity than to have a showing exactly. here? Yeah, exactly. Right. So that was our deadline. So we worked furiously. And like you said in the bio, hardly any sleep, right? <laughs> okay, so one of the first lessons that I learned through writing this book was that um, take the opportunities, right? when God has put so many opportunities before us and how many opportunities are there that we shelf, we put on the shelf yes, so that we procrastinate because we're either scared, we're worried about it, or we don't prioritize our time to do it. And yep. so I was so grateful for that boot that I needed to seize that opportunity. And so I invite any of you listeners, if there are opportunities that you have and Carmen that you have that maybe have been placed before you, that you've been putting aside, do it. And and the second lesson also from this is that when God wants us to do something, he provides a way to do it. In that writing process, um, I saw the, I mean, I was helped so much with little, with the lack of sleep that I got. It's amazing that I could still function as a mom and do all the other things in the community that I was doing. At, yeah. at Roots Tech, people would say, how did you do this? I mean, I had friends from college who'd come and say, what, I have kids too, how did you do this? And I'd point to the bags under my eyes and I'd say, this is how, <laughs> this, this is how, is I did how it. we do it. Yeah, just in <laughs> circles, yep, yep. Right, and then even, I mean, other small miracles, like the final draft had to be submitted right before Thanksgiving so that it could go, you know, that they could print it, right? And have yeah, it be right. ready. That's a long process. It is. And so I had to get it ready. So I woke up the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. And with all these little kids, usually in the morning, like, they'll come and they'll need things from me. And they'll need food. And they'll need fights broken up. And they'll need this. They'll need that. And usually I never work on things when they're awake. But I had to do it that day. So I I closed the door. I put myself in in the office right here. And for four hours, not a single interruption. It was a miracle. That is a true miracle. (laughs) I don't think I've even honestly, honestly gone 15 minutes without, even if I say, mommy is busy. I have to get this done. They have to tell me something or they went poo-poo and they need to be wet. You know, it's going to happen. That honestly, that is a true miracle. That's amazing. Yeah. Okay. And then the other thing that is just such a miracle about this book is that so rewind a year. You all know what was happening at the end of February, 2020, right? We were at Roots Tech. Joan and I, every morning, we were in paradise. We didn't have any kids. We were on this five-day trip together, and we'd eat breakfast, have our oatmeal together with no kids at the hotel. And the news was on. 
and it was terrifying. This was when COVID was just coming into Washington, right? Yeah. And you know, these body bags were coming out and everybody's whispering and it was so scary. Yes. And so right when we got home, uh, two weeks later, school was closed, everything shut down. And so all this momentum that we had with releasing this book and going to Rootstack and all the networking we had done and all the opportunities that we thought were ahead of us to share this exciting news about this great parenting tool stopped. Oh my goodness. And How disappointing. It was, it was definitely frustrating. And every time I tried restarting something, put the kids to sleep, I'd go start writing an article or I would try to schedule something or try and do something in social media. I, I would feel, and I don't think it was for me. I really feel that it was from God. I, I felt the prompting I needed this book written. You wrote it. It's in my hands now. Focus on your family. Oh, wow. And that was hard for me to hear at first because I really wanted to be involved in all these things. Right. And I kept feeling that again and again whenever I tried something. And so I let go. I didn't do anything with it for wow. months and months. And I focused on my family. And I focused on getting us through this time in our bakery. It was rough at the bakery. I mean, the restaurants were all closed down. We sent employees home because there was no work for them. We said, we'll call you when there's work. And it was rough. We had no income for several months. And oh, so I was able to focus on my family. And so months after I took my hands off of all this and just put it in God's hands, I received an email from a lady who had heard about the power of family stories. And she said that she's a grandmother and she's raising her eight-year-old grandson oh, wow. uh, because her, the grandson's mother had made some bad choices and couldn't take care of him anymore. Aww. So here is a grandma and grandpa ready to enjoy their retirement. And now they're raising full-time their eight-year-old grandson. Oh, my goodness. And she said, we need all the help we can get. Yeah. And yeah. so she asked me, what can we do? And I said, well... You know, if there's, quote unquote, bad apples in the family tree that maybe you don't want to talk about with your grandson yet, instead of doing a big family tree on your wall, maybe just have a tree design with random photographs on it in no particular order so that it's not like there's holes in your family tree, yes. but there's just these pictures there and you can share your family stories. And I know that as you tell these family stories to your grandson, that he will get that feeling of belonging, that even though his family situation is is different and challenging, he will get benefits yes, of yeah. resilience and strength and belonging from knowing about these further back ancestors. Right. And so she sent me a picture a while later and put up, uh, sent me a picture of the display that she made on her wall and told me about some of the activities she was doing and what she, how this is affecting her grandson. And I thought, I didn't reach out to her. It wasn't me. She found me, and that yep. was such a, a beautiful confirmation that God can work miracles, and that he, he, once we do our small part, he takes it from there. It reminds me of the scripture uh, in Alma 37, 6, by small and simple things are great things brought to pass. We can do small things, and then the Lord takes those things and magnifies it. It's as if we are the like the tectonic plates on the surface of the earth, right? Yes. And we do this little movement and then God, like an earthquake, just 
makes the ripple effect, right? Yep. And, and I love that thought of he takes it from there and he also takes it where he'll take it where he wants it to go. And sometimes our view of it's going to be this, it's going to be that is not necessarily what heavenly father wants or where he wants it to go, but it will be in the right hands and touch the right people. And I've learned that lesson over and over and over, even with my career, when I thought I'm going to be this country singer, I'm going to be touring and traveling and, and touching millions of lives. And I did that for a little while and then started having my own kids and everything stopped and it was so different. And I was like, wait, but this is what I was supposed to do. Remember, I was going to be an example. Remember, like, (laughs) don't you want me to do this? And it wasn't. And so, so often I think about these little boy students that I have now, and I'm just teaching like 20 little students and my little studio, and I'm not touching millions of lives anymore, but these sweet souls and their parents, they're like, this has changed their life. And I've even had them say, we're not even necessarily doing voice lessons to even have them learn how to sing. It's just to be with you and have someone build them up. Like just have someone say, you're doing amazing. That's not their parents, you know, that's someone that that is like, you know, semi-professional that's done it, that is helping them build confidence and, and watching them grow in their little self-esteem and having them say like, this has changed my life is like, okay, all of that like doesn't compare to that that one lady that you touched raising her eight-year-old or this one little voice student I had yeah. that's like I was having such a hard time and now I feel like I'm worth something and I have something that that makes me happy that that is what's worth it and and sometimes it's hard to it, it's easy to say well but look at all the lives you're touching when you're like yeah but I want to be successful and I want to make money and provide for my family but if we can let heavenly father, but let me do it. Let me take it from here. He'll always make more of our efforts and talents than we can on our own. He will. He will. And I love that you have chosen and chosen humility and chosen that perspective so that you're finding joy in what you're doing. Cause you're absolutely right. Those 20 students that you have, those, those little kids, they are God's children and he yes. loves them and he appreciates yep anyone at any time who can lift them that reminds me of the scripture mosiah 217 when ye are in the service of your fellow beings ye are only in the service of your god yeah that's king benjamin saying that very famous uh, quotation of his and i remember when i was little thinking okay i don't really understand that serve others serve god through serving someone on the ground i'm actually serving someone in the clouds that doesn't really right. make sense yes. um but then when i became a parent it made sense. Totally. Anytime anyone does anything to help any of my kids, that is a service to me. For sure. That is, I just love that. I cherish that. Yes. We had a neighbor in Arizona, this sweet, we called her a third grandmother. And we had a, and she was just so sweet. She'd have our kids over. She'd give them treats and, and let them play with her dog and we'd swim in her pool. And she was yes. so kind. And Aww. we had a son who did not, like reading and he certainly didn't like reading in front of us and he was not gonna try and i remember we'd say danny we'll give you a treat if you can even if you can sing the alphabet and he'd just scream no 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 and finally said well i'll do it in another room with the door closed don't listen <laughs> so we went another room he said the alphabet we could kind of hear him 
He yeah, gave right it now. I'm sure your ear was pressed yeah. very tightly. But then Kathleen, our neighbor, took him over and would read to him. She'd read Dick and Jane with him and have, oh. and, and we credit her with our son reading. Oh, and we so are eternally sweet. grateful for that wonderful service that she did for him when he was yes. so little. It's blessing him today. It's blessing us today. And so whenever we are serving our brothers and sisters, yeah. we're all God's children. He's their father and he is so grateful. And so yes. these the, your students or your children yes. who you're serving all day, every day, all day every he day. is so grateful because they're his children before yes. they were our children. For sure. So how can we then, Charlotte, serve those ancestors in the clouds? You know, like how can we help them and and turn our children's hearts to them and find the people that are waiting to be brought into the light of the gospel who are just pleading for help like waiting for someone to find them and 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 bring them in how do you even get started with something like that that is a great question and there's so many ways i could answer that question my specialty is not necessarily finding names and researching uh, I'd say that's more my husband's specialty. He is amazing at that. My specialty is kids. And so I'm going to tell you one way with helping kids. So the the whole thing is about turning their hearts, right? Yeah. Okay, well, I'm going to back up. So there's lots of records that are out there. And when I say out there, there's lots of records that are in some old dusty closet, in some old dusty bin that have these names and dates and information about our ancestors on them that have not been found or they haven't found they haven't been digitized or they have been digitized but they haven't been indexed and indexed means on a so the image will pop up of this old script on this old document of this yes. old census of this old military record yep and someone will go in just someone in the community of an indexer right they call it a volunteer thing you can do it i can do it anyone can yep. do it they'll read try and decipher that script and they'll write on a computer the name and any other information that's there and that's what we call indexing and when records are not indexed they're incredibly difficult to find names on if not yes. impossible but once they are indexed you can find information about an ancestor very easily and so um as so first of all, you can do indexing because you're helping somebody find ancestors. And you will find that over time, more and more information available. And so the reason I share that is because our children, when they're old enough to do research, there will be more records available. Yeah. And they, the technology will be better. So they'll right, be able right. to do more research. And so if we turn their hearts now, when they're little, they will already love their ancestors. They'll already be interested in their ancestors. So that when they're old enough to do the technology, to figure out the internet and do that research, they already love it. They already care about it. Awesome. So that's one thing you can do is start turning your children's hearts now so that when, the, when they're old enough to do family history work, they can. And another thing you can do for these ancestors is help their life not be in vain. Help their life be worth it. Oh. They're not dust. They're real. And they are still around. And we'll see them again one day. And we will have relationships with them. And many of our ancestors worked very hard and sacrificed so much for a better life that they never saw. They did it for us. 
they did it for us. They did it for generations that they never met at the time, that they just had faith would be blessed from their sacrifice and their hard work. And whether that sacrifice was just working a really terrible, hard job in the mines all day, every day for their whole lives in hopes that they could give their children education so that their children could get a better job and you know work their way to better lives. That's a sacrifice. Whether it was leaving their homeland and sailing across the ocean and having some of their children die or their spouse die, that was the hardship too. Why did they do it? They did it for us. And so when we learn about their stories, it's a way that we're showing them gratitude. And it's a way that we're showing that we appreciate the hard things that they did. Yes. And um, I remember when I was researching my grandparents, their names are Myrl and Loa. They're my father's parents. And my grandfather died before I was even born. And my grandmother, I I remember her house more than I remember her. her. <laughs> I think lots of us are like that. Yes, yes, we just yes. love all of grandma's knickknacks, yes, all of her yes. books, all of her treats. And we just love her house. So I remember my grandma Lowe's house more than I remember my grandma. And I got really deep into researching them. They had um, lived in Honolulu when Pearl Harbor happened. And so I thought that was really cool. And I wanted to learn more about that story, about them seeing the yes. attack on Pearl Harbor and their life after that, and then coming to the mainland afterwards. So I researched them and I found these old photo albums that had been buried in my aunt's closet. And I found all this information online about the schools they had attended and the places they've been. And I figured out all maps and I felt like I knew my grandparents better than my best friends. I knew yeah. so much about them and I loved them. And I was driving in the car one day, I was by myself and I put a lot of work into writing about them. And I thought, Just, do they even know? Do they even care? And at that moment, I felt my grandfather in the car with me, who I'd never met. And he was telling me, Charlotte, I see what you're doing. I know what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you for telling my story. He didn't know most of his grandkids. He died so young of Parkinson's disease. He was an incredible guy, a teacher, a pianist. He was amazing. And so few people in his family knew him. And oh. he took all these pictures. In the early 1900s, he had a camera when no one had a camera. And he took all these pictures and they were buried. And nobody knew about them or could see them. And I was able to digitize them and share them. And so he came to me and said, thank you. I know what you're doing and thank you. And that was the first time that I had ever felt that. And I'd heard these wow. stories. I'd heard stories of people and they're connecting with their ancestors yeah and yeah. I had been curious about it yeah, yeah I wanted that to happen to myself too yeah, I said yeah. this is amazing this connection across life right across the veil is that really possible and I have felt his presence again after that and he's the only ancestors that I have and I feel that I have this special connection with him I love him I think about him all the time Myra I can't wait to sing and dance with him one day on the pianos in heaven. And I feel like a part of the reason why I can have that connection with him is because of the research that I did about him. Right. If I hadn't done it, I certainly wouldn't have had that experience. For sure. And, right. And I know that as we learn about our ancestors, we can be close to them 
as well because they see us and they love us and they're helping us. They do. And they're rooting for us and they lived for us. That is the most beautiful story, Charlotte. And I can just, I can just see them like looking down at you and being so excited that you cared enough to learn about them, that you cared enough to share their stories. I've heard stories like that before. And I have, I've had a few experiences in my life, but I am longing for more. I want those experiences where I feel like I can feel my ancestors close. Would you say that for those that are willing to put in the time and the effort to learn about them, that those experiences are available and that, I mean, of course you can't, you know, guarantee like, yes, you're going to have an amazing ex- spiritual experience just like me. But it, see, it, it from what I have heard people talking about that really take the time to do family history work, it's like they can't not have those experiences. It's like they're, they're, it's almost like they want them to have them. They want to be close to them. They want them. So would you say that in your experience and your husband's that when you put in the time and effort, you you will, it's almost inevitable. You will feel close to them and you will have those type of beautiful experiences with those beyond the veil. Absolutely. Absolutely. If that's what you want and you're working towards it, you can have those. And there's plenty of times when you're not going to have those. There's plenty right. of times you're doing family history work and you're do, even doing temple work for them. You're doing their, their ordinances. You're in the temple. You're so excited. You found this ancestor and you feel nothing. Yeah. And whether that's because maybe they're not accepting it or maybe because they're so busy doing other things. They're already, you know, <laughs> yeah, in the spirit right. world, totally busy. Yeah. Like I'll get to you later. Thank you. Right. Um, we don't know why sometimes it's not an incredible experience every time. Yes. But there are those experiences and I know they happen. So that reminds me of this story. Uh, my husband was doing research about a very far back ancestor named Charles. And online and all these records, everyone thought that he was married to this woman named Anne Thursfield. And one night, Jonah heard this voice that just said, Jonah. And he woke up and he didn't know what it was. And he did some more research. He thought, I gotta find out what that was. And he found that he was not married to Anne Thursfield. He was married to Anne Lowe. And so he was able to find this whole new family and he gathered all their names and we went to the temple for them. And the lady who was helping me talked with Jonah afterwards and they said, did you feel that? Did you feel the women there celebrating? And it was this remarkable experience where these people wanted to be found. And maybe the records hadn't been available. Like I said, maybe they hadn't been indexed or the book hadn't been found, but it was available then. So we were, Jonah was able to find them and able to bind them together and, and help us be able to know about them and learn about them. And they rejoiced and he's done a ton of family history. We've done a ton of stories. Yeah. Not everyone has been life-changing, but there are those beautiful moments that make it all worth it. Oh, it gets me so excited to have those experiences and to have those experiences with my children. Like I love hearing about family and, and, and family history work. So, so what can we do? What are some of the activities maybe name like two or three that can get 
people started on on finding them or or learning about the stories or really turning our hearts and our children's hearts? How can we like, okay, we hear this podcast, we want to jumpstart. Great. And, yeah. and where can we find your book to learn more about how to do this and how these experiences ourselves? Great. Well, first of all, I love how you said turn their hearts and turn our hearts, because that's what's so cool about sharing your family history stories and yeah. helping turn your children's hearts is yeah. that your heart gets turned too. And yeah. the same benefits that you're trying to pass on to your children, you can also. Yes. So many times I have relied on the strength and the courage of my ancestors because of the stories that I've sought to research for my children. Yeah, so, right, right. Yes. Um, okay, so yes. Side effect of teaching your children about family history, you also are totally blessed. So warning. Awesome. <laughs> um, so as far as activities you can do. So the first thing I always tell people, put up photographs. Okay. Photographs that you have, put them up. Because if they're in your house... You will remember, <laughs> you yes. yourself will remember to make this a present part of your family. If those pictures are there, they will remind you to tell your children about them, right? Yeah. Your great grandmother saying, tell my story. Her face is right there reminding yes. me. Yes. So put up photographs. And there's so many different ways you can do that. We have a very uh, crooked, dirty with food stains, uh, cheap it's all dollar store frames collage of photographs right next to our dining room table and Aww. we're there multiple times a day it has a big family tree with photographs and then lots of photographs of further back ancestors awesome. or the ancestors that are a recent family tree but really neat photographs of them like yeah you know my grandma and grandpa with their uh smoke masks at their bunker in their backyard after Pearl Harbor, right? So it's really cool pictures too, yeah, right? Really Along cool. with, with faces. Yeah. And so hang those pictures so you can remember and your children can remember. Okay. The second really basic thing you can do is tell stories at the dinner table. There is so much research that has shown that families who eat together are better off. And, yeah, yeah, El yep. Yep. and Elder Oaks has told us, even in conference, what your children want for dinner is you. Yes. So make that time to be together at dinner. And so often we're at dinner and I'm exhausted. Maybe my kids want to talk about other things or we don't want to talk about anything. But I see those pictures on the wall and I say a quick story. And sometimes it's not even a story. Sometimes it's a fact. Uh, oh, well, did you know this? And it's just a fact. Yes. Or I'll say, oh, you know, you had that experience at school today. Uh, that reminds me of my mom when she had a similar experience of school. So when we say tell your family stories, it doesn't mean it has to be generations and generations back. Yeah. When your children hear stories about when you as a parent was a child, when your parents, stories about your parents, even stories about when your own children were babies is meaningful to them. It's drawing their minds back. It's connecting them to the whole circle of life, right? And yes. so those stories are easy to tell at the dinner table, stories from your own life and stories yeah. from your children's life from before they can remember. Yeah. Um, so those are two of the most basic, easy things you can do. Hang pictures, tell stories at the dinner table. Hang pictures and tell um, stories. Yep. Uh, and, and as far as other activities, the greatest way to make a meaningful activity for your kid without any sort of template, without any book, without whatever, is pick a great story from your family history what and draw out some details 
that you can make into an activity. So I'll give you some examples of that. And as I'm sharing these examples, you, Carmen, anyone else who's listening can think of those awesome family stories that easily come to mind and how you can make that a kid's activity. Awesome. So for example, our friends came over. Um, okay, we're going to edit that. <laughs> for example, uh, we invited our friends over for dinner. We wanted to do a family history activity with them. She said, well, there's this great story of my grandfather who was a little boy, uh, had to support the family financially as a little boy. So he had a paper route. And I said, oh, that's an amazing story. Come tell the story. We'll do an activity. And I realized our kids don't even know what a paper route is. No, no. They might not even know what a newspaper is. No, right. Yep. <laughs> so, I, so I thought, let's reenact what a paper boy does. So she told the story. And I actually had to borrow, I had to get newspapers from my grandparents them. across the street. My grand, they're not my grandparents, but from our elderly neighbors across the street who have newspapers because we don't have it. So I got newspapers from our neighbors. We rolled them up, put them in this basket in the front of the bicycle, and we had the kids ride by and throw the newspaper on our doorstep. It was quite challenging. It's hard to aim a newspaper at a doorstep while riding a bike. So that was this really fun activity that was related to the family history story that helped that helped them understand what gra their grandpa was even doing and made it fun and memorable. Um, another example is uh, we had another friend we invited over for the same reason. And he said, well, my grandpa uh, in World War II raised his arm up to signal something to one of his fellow soldiers. And at that moment, a uh, uh, bullet came, shot off his whole arm, or his whole hand, shot off his whole hand. And so he got for a hand, a hook, you know, one of those two pronged okay. squeezable hooks, not Captain Hook, the pirate, like a two pronged, like a scissor hand. Hook. Right. And he said his grandfather for his whole life had so much fun with that hook and with his fake hand and was such a personality and made people laugh. And, and so we heard this story and we said, okay, gotta tell the story, let's do an activity. So we had all the kids over and we gave them a hook for a hand and we had them try and do different things with one normal hand and one yes, hook. Yes, we had them yes. try and button buttons. We had them try and peel Clementine. Uh, we had them try and tie their shoe and it was very difficult, but it was very memorable and very fun and very insightful so that we got to know what their grandpa had to go through in life with one hand and a hook. That is amazing. And what an incredible story too, though, of resilience and optimism and having a good attitude that yes. he would have fun with it. And he would joke because can you imagine literally not having a hand? I mean, that's a, yes. that's major and how traumatizing yes. to have it blown off yes. and that your and that your, that he was like, it was your friend's grandpa, right? Your friend right. to have him be like, okay, now how can I turn this? So then you can talk to your kids about what if something really horrible and awful and life-changing happened to you? What would your attitude be like? How can you turn this into a positive? How can you, I mean, there's, it, there really are so many stories besides the actual story itself. When you learn about family history that you can teach your kids. And that's what I think is so important. And, and about your book too, that we can help people, you know, not only learn about their ancestors, but how to apply their lessons to our lives. Like, like yes. the scriptures, like the Book of Mormon, like yes. that's basically genealogy. That's all yes. the Book of Mormon is. It's family history. It's the history of our ancestors way, way far back. And, yes. and the pioneers, Doctrine and Covenants, like that's genealogy. 
but it's scripture and it's someone took the time to write it down, teach the stories, tell us about them so we can learn. And this will become our own family scriptures, our own family canon, you know, all of these amazing stories. So Charlotte, where can people go if they, if they're like, okay, I want to do this. I want to get started. Where can they find your book? Where is it being sold? What do you have coming up recently or or, or, or upcoming? Yeah. So the book Turning Out Hearts is available in many different places. You can just get it on Amazon. That's easy. It's at Deseret Book. Seagull book. It's at many Costco's in Utah, California, Idaho. It's also, I've, I have friends told me it was at Target. I didn't even know that. <laughs> and you can also go directly to the publisher, cedarfort.com okay. to get it there. And you can get a hard copy or a digital copy as well. Um, Fantastic. And it is a blank book, right? It's full of templates and these ideas you can use to awesome. fill in with your own family history stories. And there's so many different things. There's different activities you can do. There's games you can play, crafts you can do. If you're crafty, you can make yeah. things like painted rocks that have different symbols and stories about your ancestors, different flags on them. You can do puppet shows. You can make different uh, jewelry. You can decorate frames, the frames that you have hand- hanging in your home. You can decorate frames for activities if your ancestor, so my grandmother had a favorite lullaby that she sang to everybody, and so, which is was lost, right? She sang it to her children and grandchildren and now the great-grandchildren, it was being lost. So I found a recording of her singing it. My husband played it. I found a little book with the words. It's the old poem that was put to her own, she put music to it. And so I taught that song to all my children. Now we sing it. So do you have a song that your ancestors sang that you can teach your children? Did your ancestors have a profession like pottery or making barrels is there a profession that they did that you can teach that skill to your children yeah is there a uh, let me just get the book out (laughs) hold on edit that out i wasn't planning on talking about this at all today carmen i was planning on talking about (laughs) completely unrelated doing good things so i apologize for not being no this is perfect me this is amazing this is the good things this is this and that's the thing that i love so much about about doing this podcast and talking to people is it's like everyone is doing so much good with what they've been called to do. And we don't, we can take all these ideas and learn from each other to enrich our lives. But Heavenly Father has called all of us to do different things. But when we learn from each other and and we, what did you do? Oh, that's a great idea. We can, you know, take these. So this is, I don't know. I don't know that there's anything more good you could be doing than, than this. And so this whole thing is doing good. (laughs) Everything you're doing about your ancestors and and this book and talking and teaching me and helping me. It's funny that if ever I'm like, Oh, I'm really struggling with this lately. And I have a podcast today and you never know how they'll go and help. You know what I mean? The conversation. I always feel like I receive like personal inspiration and help for what I'm struggling with at that time with who I'm talking to. So like there've been so many like aha moments for me today in talking with you. So thank you for taking the time to come on and talk to me. You're very sweet, Carmen. Thank you for being so encouraging and and positive. Um, You are so positive. I'm like, you're like, seriously, I'm like, how are you? You're so happy. Like, what is your secret? Do you work out every day? Do you get lots of sleep at night? 
do you get lots of sunshine? Like you're, you, do. you just seem like, oh, happy and sweet and positive. And I'm we like, I've had a lot of sun this week in Washington, yeah. which is a rare thing. So that's sweet. But speaking of exercising in the morning. So I do jog. It's a jog. I don't call it a run. It's awesome. a jog, a slow little jog in the morning. And it wakes awesome. me up, makes wipe. It wakes my body and my brain up. Every but the past few months I've been listening to our turtle house. And that is such an uplifting, inspiring way to start the day. I have to say that's probably one of the reasons why I'm jogging instead of running because I'm like going slowly to listen. <laughs> and and like I'll look at a picture if they say, well, look at the slide. Well, I'll pull out my phone. Oh, yeah, I'm jogging while looking at the slide. Oh, or awesome. I want to see what their faces are like. So <laughs> so that's how, probably why it's a jog, but it's very uplifting. <laughs> how far do you go? How how far do you jog? Oh, it's not impressive. It's up and down my street four times. Oh, awesome. <laughs> it really is just to wake up and, and wake up my brain and my body. Do you do it before your kids wake up? Yes. So how early is that? I have to ask how early you wake up in the mornings. Uh, well, it's 5.15. It's <laughs> but so true. <laughs> and this could be a whole, we, we can do, we can like tangent side note, but we can do a whole podcast on this. My dearest dream is to be a morning person. I am not. And my pediatrician, I was, my kids were there and we were talking and I said, I wish I was a morning person. And he said, they have done research. There is actual a gene that is, it's called the clock gene. You can research it. It's like hard. Okay. It's a clock gene that you actually are, are biologically prone to stay up later or get up earlier. It is not your fault. He said, you can train your body to get up earlier. Or if you work late hours, like you can train your body to stay up later. It's not like yes. this is who you are forever. And <laughs> it actually is biological. It's, it's ingrained wow. in your genes that you are a morning person or a night owl. I am like midnight or later. Like I am wow. every night. And I'm always like, please go to bed, like go to bed. And I'll, and I'll lay there. And my parents growing up every night would be like, turn your light off 10, 11 o'clock. Even as a little kid, I would be up reading. <laughs> reading is my most favorite. So I would read, read, read. I'd be up. I would, I'd be thinking about things. And then I'm so tired in the morning. Like seven, eight o'clock is when I wake up. And that's like, okay, that's a good, like tw midnight to eight is a good stretch for me. Yes. But my kids are, are morning birds. Oh, no. <laughs> they wake up at like seven, six thirty seven, And I'm like, I'm the worst mom. I sleep in, like, I'm not there for my kids. Like they're awake, just watching, who, who knows, doing what, eating all the time. <laughs> and I'm in there sleeping and my pediatrician was like, do not feel guilty about that. That is biological. That's how your body is. And, and, but I'm like, I know I could get so much done in the morning if I would wake up at even at 6 a.m. Like I know that there's like two hours worth of working out and showering things I could do if I didn't sleep in until eight. But I'm like, I, I physically don't know how to do that. So are you a morning person or have you trained yourself? Like, cause when I had kids three, four, 5 a.m. was not was not abnormal. Like I would have to wake up early. I'm nursing. I'm getting up early. They're hungry. You have to feed your baby. You can't be like, sorry. So right. Like, I'm, right. I'm into the no sleep thing, but it was really, really hard. So have you always been like that? Or was it since you've had kids that you're like, I have to get up early now to prepare for the day? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There was a time in college where I enjoyed waking up early and again, just a small jog, and then the first few years of parenting, no. But then I started doing it, and once I saw how it changed my day, yeah, I had to keep doing it. 
Okay. I realize it really focuses me. It helps me feel better about myself. Yes. Um, to have that start. And then I've, I jog and I try to listen to something inspiring while I jog. And then I come, I drink my little protein shake, which my husband yeah. always laughs at is like this nasty green thing, but I like it. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, and then I do my scripture study in the morning. And so I feel that if I can wake up my brain and my body and take care of myself physically and spiritually in the morning before I even start the day, it makes my whole day go better. Are you and tired throughout the day or do you feel like you actually have more energy when you do that? I do feel better when I do my little workout in the morning. Uh, but it also depends on when I went to sleep the night before. <laughs> right. so do you go to bed early typically too? To it depends. Get it depends. My dream is to go to bed at 930. But does that happen that often? No. Like <laughs> <laughs> 930, I'm just getting started. Like then it's like, this is my time. Like this is the only time I have to myself. And so yes. I that's another part that I'm like, I'm going to extend this night yes. as long as, but then, yes. then I wake up in the morning and I'm grumpy mom. Cause I was tired. And then I'm like, Oh, and I don't like this either. So I need to find a balance. But it's all about balance. It's all about balance. And it's about being flexible with that balance because there's so many different seasons of life yeah. that you have to adjust to. Yeah. Yep. Okay, but that's in, that's inspiring too. Five fifteen, <gasps> and what well, if it's cold outside? <laughs> so there's plenty of really rainy, cold mornings that I've run, and even we get snow sometimes here in Washington. We usually get one or two dumps a year, and when I say dumps, it's a Washington dump, so like six inches, which yeah, is right, nothing right. for you, right? Yeah. But see, when it snows here in Washington, it shuts down. There, I think our county owns five snowplows, <laughs> so. There's no salt. There's nothing. Anywhere. Yeah, it right. shuts down. When it right. snows here, we're home, oh right? And so when on the mornings that it snows here, instead of putting my running shoes, I put on my boots oh. and I just walk in the snow in the morning. And that oh. those have actually been some of the most magical moments of my life are waking up in the morning before anyone is awake. And, and just, it's dark. It's dark and there's no footprints or tire tracks in the snow yet. And I just walk in the snow back and forth and it's so quiet. What it is what is it about freshly fallen snow that just makes the it world blankets so everything? It mutes all the yeah. sound. It's true. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. Okay, Charlotte, you've inspired me to start trying to get up early. But I I'll admit, like once my alarm goes off every morning, I'm all yeah, right. Like that was funny. <laughs> That was funny. I thought I could wake up at that time. No way. No. <laughs> but, then, but then inevitably eight o'clock rolls around and the kids are hungry and everyone's grumpy because they've been awake for a while and I'm so groggy and I'm like, I hate it. I hate it. Every morning I'm like, I regret it. But, but every morning that clock comes around and I'm all, I'm not getting up. So, okay. Sorry. That was well, a Carmen, really there is power time. in, there's power in goal making. So if that is something you really want to do, set a very small goal for So for one week, I'm going to go bed at midnight and you got to make it a doable goal. Like yes. you can do midnight, right? Yes, I can do and midnight. Then, and then plan ahead of time. Okay. This is what I'm going to do for breakfast in the morning. Okay. And I'm going to have breakfast at this time. Yes. And then after a week, if you feel that you feel better and your children aren't as grumpy after breakfast, yes. then that is, that's feeding that life change, right? Sure. Oh, wow. That actually worked really well. Yeah, Whatever right. sacrifice I made to do it was totally right. worth it. I can, oh, I can awesome. keep doing that. And, and like I said, being a mom, you gotta be flexible. You can't do that all the time, but it's really nice on the days that you can get 
that you can and just be present for your kids. I could seriously talk to you all day. I'm like, what's can we talk? I want to like pick your brain on all things. I would love to do a follow-up podcast with you at some point if you want to, too. And talk, yes. and we can talk more about like the doing good, like the other things that you had in the service. All the other four pages that here. All the other notes. You were so awesome, Charlotte. Oh, my goodness. Stakes alive. I love doing this. So Carmen, thank you for the opportunity. And you crazy that just this little dream I had that I thought would be so impossible is going to come true. And I'm just so excited and just happy for you. It's just learning again about other people and their experiences and, and, and how they're doing good and how they're blessing and how we're all living the gospel and applying its principles to our lives. There's, there's no perfect or right way to apply the gospel principles. Like the principles are the same. Like the doctrine doesn't change, like raise a good family, do your family history work, temple church. But then how you do that is is so is up to us. We get to be creative right. and yeah. and and decide how do we want to implement this in our home and with our kids and what do our kids respond to? Stories yeah. or music or or travel. We get to apply this. So I love so much learning about the ways that people apply these gospel principles in their lives. And and I love what you and your husband have done and are continuing to do to do this in your life. So thank you so much, Charlotte, for coming on the podcast today and for all the good you are doing. Well, thank you so much for letting me a part, letting me be a part of this. And Carmen, you're so wonderful. This has been such a blast. Thanks for listening to this episode of Doing Good with Carmen Herbert, available exclusively inside Our Turtle House. At Our Turtle House, there's something for the whole family. From full-leg talks that you can't get anywhere else from some of your favorite speakers, to fun family home evening lesson plans that follow the Come Follow Me curriculum. There's even short daily devotionals made specifically for your teens. Plus, you can get two months free when you sign up for an annual plan. Just go to OurTurtleHouse.com to get started. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you back here for another episode of Doing Good next week.